0: hi this is matt Shaw, pastor at city lift church if you're in the fort lauderdale area we'd love for you to come visit us on a sunday sometime or join us online citylift.church we hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey we exist just to help people meet know and follow jesus enjoy today's message thank you so much pastor matt thank you pastor Alyssa. thank you guys for having me i mentioned in the 10 a.m that it's not super normal in ministry friendships that you get to have more conversations around the dinner table and at each other's houses than you get to see someone preach. But I see that as a privilege because I've seen that you guys really live what you preach. You really want God to speak to you, to speak to your people, to be in the midst of your family. So it's an honor to be your guys' friend and it's an honor to be here. And I would just love it if you guys can we give a round of applause for your pastors. I think... Sometimes, you know, the Bible even says it. You know, you're never a prophet in your own home. I think sometimes we take for granted what God has given us. We're so used to seeing them that we, yeah, I'm, a, I'm just a little bit height challenged. So I come to you from, I'm originally from the Dominican Republic. That, do we have any Caribbean people here? Any Latino? So as you guys know, my personality is big, but that's the only thing. Um, I'm a little bit height challenged. So anyway, um... But yeah, we tend to take for granted sometimes the things that God gives us, but you guys are truly blessed and honored to be a part of this house, and I'm honored to be here. Um, And as I was preparing, I mentioned also in the 10 a.m. service that as I was preparing, I really was like, God, I want to do the best I can with the shot you're giving me. You know, Pastor Matt and Pastor Alyssa, they get to see you guys every week so they can kind of pick like, okay, today we'll teach you this and then next week we'll teach you that. But I don't know when the next time I'm going to see you guys is, hopefully soon, but I don't know when the next time I'm going to see you guys is. So I asked the Lord, Lord, even if this is the last time I see some of these people in here today, what do you want to tell your children. I always put a lot of pressure on myself like that, right? When I'm I'm gonna preach, I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say to your children? And I just heard the Holy Spirit as I was preparing yesterday for this word, I heard the Holy Spirit say, what I believe he brought you here to hear this morning, and that is that there is more. There is more to life than coming to church over and over again. There is more to life than religion. There is more to life than the title Christian. I shared that I grew up in a Christian household. I've been Christian, you know, as as if you count Christian as, you know, what you check off in the box when you're taking your SATs. I've been Christian. Well, I don't know if they asked that, but you know, I've been the title Christian since I was in my mother's womb. I'm a 100% church kid. I know what it's like to fall asleep in church. I know what it's like to wake up in church. I know what it's like to destroy the church, you know, right on the walls of the church. I've grown up in church, and so I've had the title Christian my entire life, but it's only in recent years, in my adult life, that God began to show me that that's just not enough. Because even growing up in the church, I suffered with anxiety, I suffered with depression, I suffered with suicidal ideation. My brothers and sisters have suffered with every single thing you can imagine. And th- I got to this point where I went through a crisis of faith in my life when my mom passed away and I was going through some health issues and I had three miscarriages and my life was just like, Lord, this is not, I remember telling God like, God, like you are making yourself look bad, all right? I was like, if you don't start working in my life, people are gonna think you kind of suck, all right? So not for me, but maybe for you, <laughs> we should probably get some things together. And the reason I I came into this crisis, which I later found out that crisis, the word crisis originally comes from a Greek word, which is spelled with a K, crisis, that actually means opportunity. So I went through this crisis of faith where God started showing me, yeah, because you've you've been sitting there in that chair your whole life, but you've never known me. So I was expecting my life to reflect something that I had never lived simply because I was sitting in a chair. Simply because I came every week to a building. And that's when God began to challenge me like I want to challenge you today. There's more. There's more than a system. There is more than a building. There is more than a religion. God wants to offer you abundant life and real relationship with him. You were not created to be a Christian. I know that sounds Wrong, right? It's like, Pastor Matt, are you sure you know who you invited? Like, have you met this girl? What's going on? But you weren't created to be a Christian. You were created to have a relationship with Christ. Now, everyone who has a relationship with Christ is technically a Christian, but not everyone who's a Christian has a relationship with Christ. Listen to what Jesus says in John 17, 3. He says, And this is eternal life. I'm going to pause there. Eternal life there means life in fullness, life in abundance. I think we can all agree that there are a lot of people sitting in churches, I was one for many, many years, that do not have life in abundance, whose lives don't feel abundant. My life did not feel abundant. I felt like I lost, and I lost, and I lost, and I lost and I suffered, and I cried, and I made mistakes, and I got into toxic relationship after toxic relationship, being the pastor's daughter, being the worship leader, being the youth leader, my life was a mess. It wasn't abundant. That's where the crisis of faith came from, because I got to a point where I was like, God, I don't get it. My life sucks worse than everybody else's life. And I'm here. I'm your daughter. But he says, This is eternal life, that they know God, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. So we said eternal life there means life in abundance, and the word know there means to be familiar, to relate to, to perceive, to feel, to understand. I came to tell you today, church, eternal life, abundant life, real life, the life that God created you to live comes from knowing, perceiving, and being familiar with who God really is. It will not come from religion. It will not come from a system. It will not come from a series of acts that you do. And I'm here to tell you that because especially in the West, especially in the United States, where no one's keeping you from entering that door, We're not persecuted in the United States, right? Like if you want to go to church, go to church. You want to go at 10 a.m., 6 p.m., you want to go wherever you want, you want to watch it online, do whatever you want. No one cares. And it's so easy and it's so open and it's so accessible that we stop there. That becomes enough for us. Very few of us are looking to know God because we know church. Now, I don't want this place empty next week. I'm not telling you not to come to church. But I am telling you it's not enough. I know because I went to church. I went to church and I fantasized about taking my life after for years. I preached in church and I fantasized about taking my life. I preached in church and I'd go home to crippling depression. It didn't make sense. I said, God, why? And God began to show me my crisis was an opportunity. Now I don't know what crisis you're going through in your life right now, but I'm glad you hit crisis. That's weird, I know, but if you're in a crisis right now, I hope that crisis pushes you to know God. Eternal life is to know God. A global survey by the organization One Hope found that 52% of people who call themselves Christians or who attend church regularly have never read the Bible. 36% of those cannot quote a single phrase said by Jesus. That means that statistically, if I take 36% of the people in this room and I ask you, tell me something Jesus said, you're just going to stare at me blankly. And you're going to try really hard to remember the last thing you saw on Instagram on a reels where it said Jesus said this. You're going to try really hard to remember it, but you might not. 12% of Christians say that they believe that Jesus never claimed to be the son of God. And when another survey asked what does it mean to be a Christian, this is what The answers were. 89% said it was to pray regularly. 70% said it was to read the Bible regularly. 61% said it was to attend religious services. 47% said it was to serve in the church. 47%, I love this one, it said it was to not get angry often. So basically, you're just not allowed to be Latino at all. Um, If you don't get angry, if you don't yell, then you're good. You're going to heaven. 43% said... It was to dress modestly. Those were obviously girls who grew up, you know, in the 90s being Christian. Like, if you dress modestly, you're good. That's all you need. So many people think that they can fabricate relationship through performance. So many people think that if you can check enough boxes and earn the title, it's kind of like, like we think... That a relationship with God is like, okay, no, <laughs> happening. Like church is over, it's time for the club. No. So many of us think that church is like being in the Boy Scouts. You get enough badges and then you're good. You're in. And then we're sad and we're disappointed and we're discouraged because our life is falling apart. And we're trying to show God our badges, right? But God, look at my, ba- I have the worship badge, God. I have the kids camp badge. I was in the, the Rangerettes or whatever they are. Like, you have to be a throwback Christian to even get that. I was there. I was a part of it. I serve. And God's looking at you like, it's not what I want. And that's not what's going to do anything. Because this is eternal life. This is abundant life that you would know me, that you would feel me, that I would be a part of your everyday life. Jesus never mentioned church in the Bible. You guys know that? He never tells you to go to church. He never even says to pray. He never says this is how many times you have to open your Bible in a week. It has never been performance-based. How many times you pray, how many times you read the Bible, how often you go to church is supposed to be a reflection of how well you know God and how much you want to continue to know him. When you get married, no one tells you, okay, so look, this is how many times you guys have to I'm gonna say it out loud, you guys know. Nobody sits there and says, This is how many times you have to go on a date. And this is how many nice texts you have to send her. And this is how many gifts. I mean, that would be nice. Somebody should do that. <laughs> to some of the men, but anyway. Or to some of the women. Nobody says, You cook this many times a week. Nobody says that. Because relationship is one on one, it's not about performance. In fact, my friends and I laugh because, so here's my friend Cheryl, she came with me. Everybody shout out to my girls who came with me today. They accompanied me. I was going to bring my family, but then I said, you know what, I like City Lift Church. I don't want to get kicked out. My kids, sometimes they're not good listeners. I'm just going to get thrown out of this church. So anyway, I came with my girls, but we laugh. Um, Cheryl and I are married, and her sister's also married, and sometimes we like, just joke around, like, what if we were to like switch up the husbands? And then we're like, for sure we can't do it because I would murder your husband. You would murder mine. There are things that her husband does that I'm like, absolutely not and never. She's fine with it. She's cool with it. There are things my husband does that I'm sure she's like, absolutely never ever. And I'm fine with it. Because we have a relationship that she'll never understand because she's outside. It's not about what you do it's about the relationship that you do it within. In Matthew 16, 13 to 20, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. And it says that he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And his disciples say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he says to them, okay, who do you say that I am? And he had to ask that, and here's why. Because a lot of us are content Knowing God only through what other people say God is. A lot of us are content knowing only about God what we've seen on TikTok. Knowing only about God what Pastor Matt says on a Sunday. A lot of us are content with the rumors. But here's the thing, the rumors were wrong. When he asked his disciple, who do people say I am, they reply all wrong answers. And if you are trying to get to know God only through a system or only through other people or only because you're getting grandfathered in, you're always going to be wrong. So when crisis comes and when you go through difficult things, in my Christian walk, I've had to walk through some difficult things. And you know one of the things I've learned? What other people say about God has never been enough to get me through a difficult moment in my life. What other people say about God could not get me out of the bed when I suffered my third miscarriage. What other people said about God was not enough for me when I buried my mom. What other people said about God was not enough to get me through when I suffered anxiety. Only a relationship with God has power. Relationship. Religion has no power. And I'll prove it to you. Because then he says to his disciples, so again, they're wrong. He's like, okay, so who does everybody say I am? They say you're Elijah. He's not Elijah. They say you're Jeremiah. He's not Jeremiah. They say you're one of the prophets. He's not one of the prophets. And then he said, okay, who do you say that I am? And of all his disciples, only one answered. Just like the One Hope survey. Of all of us in here, only some of us really know And I don't bring this word to shame you. And I don't bring this word to be beating you over the head. You know, you're not a good enough, you don't know God. No. I hope that this is an encouraging word for you. Because if up until now being a Christian for you has kind of sucked, then I hope that this gives you hope that you just haven't tapped into all of it. I'm not here to make you feel bad about yourself. But I'm here to let you know that there is more. Of all of his disciples, only one can answer. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knew Jesus. He had received the revelation of who he actually was. And you know why sometimes it's okay to go through crisis? And you know why sometimes it's okay to hurt? And you know why sometimes it's okay to go through some pain? Because sometimes that pain pushes you to a place where you have to actually try to see God. Because for many, many years in my life, the fact that my life was chill was enough for me. I grew up in church, I had a great childhood, my parents loved me, they celebrated me, like, oh, look what you did, yay, it's great. I led worship, all my family was in church, until I started going through hard stuff. My mom passed away when I was 23, and that detonated Like, it was like the crisis. It was like, you know, like tsunamis set off other tsunamis? It was like this life that was like normal and stable for my entire life. I didn't know how to go through hard things. I prayed and God answered. But I also didn't pray for hard things like ever. Like, God, I want to pass the test. Okay. I don't even know fully if it was my prayer because I was still studying. But anyway, I was a nerd. It's easy when everything's going good. But when things were not going so good, I had to push and I had to say, wait, God, maybe the God that I think I know, I don't really know. Maybe I have to actually see your face to be able to make it to tomorrow. Maybe I need you to actually be there instead of just having this title. Maybe the title of Christian is not enough. And so Jesus says to Peter, he says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Even though his name was Peter, in this moment, his name changes. And he says, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock. So first he's Simon. You see what happened there? You're Simon at one moment, but your identity begins to change when you receive the revelation of who Christ is. Your identity will never be changed by religion alone. As long as they were going off of, oh, you're Jeremiah, you're a prophet, this is what the Pharisees say, this is what the pastors say, this is what the people on YouTube say, this is what other people say, you'll always be Simon. But Jesus looks at him and he says, now you're Peter. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Power was released in Peter's life through relationship, through revelation. It's when you know God. This is eternal life, that you know God and Jesus Christ his son that is eternal life. That is abundant life. It does not come from checking boxes. It does not come from being good. And you know why so many of us live powerless Christian lives? They're powerless. They're powerless because all they're good for is to come to church. They are not good to transform anything outside of these doors. You are struggling with the same things you struggled with 10 years ago. The sins that overcame you 10 years ago are still overcoming you. And I don't say this to shame you. We're all going to deal with certain sins our entire lives. But you're in the same place. You have not advanced. The gates of hell are prevailing against you. And what you are trying to take control of in your life, you can't because there's no power. Because you don't know Jesus. You just know a system. He said... Because you know who I am, now the gates of hell can't prevail against you. Now no one can take you down. Now you have power. What does the word of God say in Acts 2? It says you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will have power. That word power comes from the Greek word dunamis. And that word means literally it gives you the ability to overcome. Why are there so many defeated Christians? Because being a Christian doesn't give you power. And we wake up every day and we say, Today's the day I stop watching pornography. And today's the day I stop cheating on my wife. And today's the day I stop having toxic relationships. And today is the day my self esteem will flawlessly rise and I won't deal anymore with these suicidal thoughts. No. You cannot do it on your own strength. It is too hard for you. And I didn't come, so, like, it's not meant to be a downer message. It's meant to tell you, I'll never forget, I went through years of infertility, and every time I went to the doctor, um, I went to, like, seven different doctors, and every time I went to the doctor, they would say, nothing's wrong with you. You're just stressing a lot. Literally every time. And i will be like, okay. And that sucked. It sucked to hear that. Because as long as you don't know what's wrong, you can't fix it. Until I go to this one doctor, this one time, and he says, oh yeah, I know what's wrong with you. And we started to fix it. I say that to tell you this, I didn't bring you here so you would feel bad about your life. I brought you here so maybe you can identify what's missing. I brought you here because what you're going to learn here, and I mentioned this in the first service, it can't finish here. There is no one service. There is no one message. No one is that good enough of a preacher. Not me, not Pastor Matt, not T.D. Jakes. No one is such a good preacher that they can fix your life in 30 minutes. No one. I am not going to solve your problems today. Your problems are not going to be solved today. But I hope that you will leave here with at least the ability to identify this is what I'm missing. My life is not abundant because I need to know Jesus. My life is not abundant because I've been standing at the door of relationship, but I have never gone in. Relationship changes you. Is anyone married in here? Lord Jesus. I've been married for seven years. I do things now I never thought I would do. Like the other day, our friend Alfredo, we have a mutual friend, Pastor Alfredo, he, he's like, Vana, I'm so proud of you because I never used to drink coffee. I sing, so I was like, coffee's not good for my boys. You know, I'm never gonna drink coffee. My husband is a coffee addict and he likes to make coffee creatively, which I also like, you're doing too much. But our friend, Pastor Alfredo, saw me in person. He goes, Vane, I saw on your Instagram. My name is Vanessa, but my friends call me Vane. I saw on your Instagram, like, you're making the whole coffee drip. And you're, like, you know, doing all this. And I'm like, yeah, because my husband won't let me buy Starbucks. He makes me make, like, the fancy coffee. So I'm there for, like, an hour trying to make, like, fancy coffee. Point is, I didn't even drink coffee. Now I have to have fancy coffee. Like now I'm over here grinding coffee beans on Saturday morning because relationship changes you. Now, if you take me and you lock me in a room with my husband once a week for one hour and then I come out and I never see him again, I will never take on his coffee habits. I will never become like him. I'm so much like him now. It's super random. I'm trying to rub off on him. I don't know if it's working no 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 you know how I rubbed off on him he uses a calendar now my husband seven years ago did not use a calendar and now he uses a calendar because relationship changes you why are we not changed because we don't have relationship we have one hour encounters once a week and even at that we're distracted half the time but the weight of your life was not supposed to be placed on a church service Church is supposed to be what begins a process in you that you continue throughout the whole week. And when the word of God talks about us living in darkness, listen to what it says in Matthew 4, starting verse 16, it says, The people who lived in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in thick darkness, the light has shone on them. When the word of God talks about the kingdom of darkness, it's not even always talking about the enemy. You know that that word darkness, you want to know what it means? It means ignorance. We live in darkness because we don't know God. We don't even know what God is supposed to do. We don't read our Bible, so we don't even know what God said. And then difficult times come in our life, and we're like, God, you said I wouldn't suffer. He didn't even say that. You guys know the Bible doesn't say that, right? 52% of you don't know it, but it's okay if you are not at me. You're lying in church, but it's okay. Statistically, I know you don't know it. It's all right. And we look at him and we're like, God, I'm not supposed to go through this. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said you won't be alone when you go through it unless you choose to be alone. Unless you choose that religion is good enough. When Jesus spoke in the word of God, He didn't tell us how much to pray. He didn't tell us we had to pray. He didn't tell us we had to read the word. He never told us we had to go to church. All of those things are things we choose to do out of relationship, but here's what he did talk about. If you actually read the Bible, if you read the book of John, if you read the gospels, if you actually take your time to get to know Jesus in the Bible, There were two things he spoke about over and over. Two things that he spent his entire three years of ministry talking about. He didn't tell people, you got to stop that. You got to stop this. You got to stop. Over and over, he said, repent and be born again. And here's why this is so important. Because a lot of us are looking for the easy way out in religion. We want God or we want Pastor Matt to tell us exactly how many times we have to do something to get a good grade. I gave this example of my brother. My little brother is the laziest student in the world. I don't know what happened between the first child, I'm the oldest of four, and the fourth child, but it's like they each went progressively getting lazier. And so I was like this super nerd in school, and I was like, you know, I'm just like, for the sake of the honor roll, I'm gonna get on the honor roll, and like, I'm gonna take AP classes, and I was like, super nerdy. And then get to my brother, and my brother used to do this thing that would like physically pain my nerdy heart. And it was that he would sit there and he would tell me, because I used to have to babysit my brothers and sisters, and I would have to babysit them and make sure that they got their homework done, right? And he would be like, no, Vanessa, I read the syllabus. And according to the syllabus, I could miss all of these homeworks and still get a good grade. So I'm only gonna do the bare minimum to pass the class. And I would say, JJ, don't you wanna learn? (laughs) He's like, no, I don't wanna learn. Legitimately, this small boy looked at me in the face and said, I don't care about learning. I just want to pass the class. And you know what's our issue? We don't care about knowing God. We just want to get into heaven. But the issue with that is you know what? You might get into heaven. I'm not gonna sit here and scare you for the fun of scaring you. They used to do that to me when I was little. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and scare you for the sake of heaven. You might go to heaven. The issue is that a lot of us are not going to have a good life until we get to heaven when you could have a good life starting now. The word eternal comes from eternity, which means no beginning and no end. And a lot of us, we live as though eternal life has no end, right? We're like, yeah, we're going to go to heaven and eternal life will have no end. But you know what? It also doesn't have to have a beginning, which means you could have been living eternal life this entire time. You could be living heaven on earth. You don't have to live with the anxiety that cripples you. You don't have to live with the suicidal thoughts that you've had on your back your whole life. I didn't have to live that way. I chose to live that way because I lived in darkness. What does the word of God say in First John? It says, and the light came to the world, but people preferred their darkness. We don't live in darkness because the light hasn't come. We live in darkness because we choose our darkness. 53 times in the scripture, Jesus talks about repenting and being born again. And very quickly, I want to go over what that means because so many of us think, okay, yeah, well, that means beating myself up about my sin, that means feeling really, really badly every time I fall, and then waking up the next day and saying, God, I promise I will never do that again, and I'm going to spoil it for you guys, that never works, you can do that for 20 years you can do that for 30 years you can do that for 50 years, and that's where all the horror stories come from, that I know some of you guys are super traumatized by of this pastor fell, and that pastor fell, and this evangelist fell, and that prophet fell, you know why? because they tried to get by on religion and it's not going to work so you can do it if you want you can keep going for the next 10 years you can do it more but i'm going to teach you what will really change your life when jesus talked about repentance that word repent comes from the word metaneo and the word metaneo means in greek to be transformed in your way of thinking relationship changes your way of thinking my husband never had to tell me start drinking fancy coffee I saw him drinking the fancy coffee I tasted his fancy coffee and I said this tastes a little bit better than folders (laughs) and eventually it got to the point where the crappy coffee wasn't good enough for me anymore I didn't have to wake up in the morning and say no more bad coffee for me, no. My way of thinking was transformed. I gave this story in the first service that I used to have this really, really toxic boyfriend. This was really toxic relationship. I actually, so my husband is the rebound. You know they say like the rebound never works? I don't know, one in a million. Statistically shouldn't happen, but it happened. My husband was the rebound. I fully, I was toxic too. I'm gonna openly admit that was a little toxic, all right? I was a little toxic, I'm gonna tell you why. Is because I had been in this really abusive relationship, a horrible relationship with a church drummer. <laughs> My poor friend, wherever he's at, I beat him up in the first service. I was like, church drummers are trash, but it's okay, he's married. He's breaking the statistics, one drum at a time, but. <laughs> This church drummer that I found at church, because again, since everything was about religion, I was like, if I find my boyfriend at church, then we're going to have a happy marriage, we're going to have beautiful saved babies, and we're just going to be the perfect picture of Christianity, but he was trash. Anyway. Anyway. He treated me so badly, but I was in a relationship with him for five years and I got to the point where I just thought that all the things that he did was normal because that's what happens when you're in toxic relationships. Point is, I break up with him for a little while, or more like he broke with me, broke, I'm not sure. One of the million breakups that we had, I started to get to know my husband, Rico. And I had every intention of going back with my other boyfriend because I was toxic. But I said, but you know, I'm gonna date Rico a little bit to get, a, you know, to get the other guy jealous. So again, I'm openly admitting this was very wrong, very wrong, but it's been a long time, okay, and now I have three of his children, and like, it's okay, he's forgiven me, he knows the story too, but when he's here, my girls know, it's funny, because I'll still tell the story if he's here, and he'll just sit there, pissed, and be like, I guess I gotta let her do it for the sake of the gospel, but like, but I'm like, it's okay, babe, I'm letting my sin out so that it could be exposed and healed, but anyway, I had every. Every intention of going back with the other guy, but here's what happened, here's what ruined it. Rico was nice to me. Rico treated me well. When we went out on dates, he didn't say to me the things that the other guy said. He wasn't jealous or possessive like the other guy was. He wasn't violently angry. And eventually I said, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, my relationship doesn't have to be like that, it could be like this. And you wanna know what's really gonna change your life? When you stop waking up every day and just declaring that you're going to stop sinning, and you start allowing God to change your mind about your sin. And you start saying, you know what? It's not that I have to stop having sexual relationships out of marriage. It's that my eyes are being opened to how bad it's hurting me. My eyes are being opened to how much better life can be. Not through religion, but the more I get to know Jesus, the more I know who He actually is, the more I know what He's actually promised me, the more I know what there is to gain, the less I'm willing to play around. And that's what God wants for you. He never meant for you to walk into church and be perfect, He never meant for you to walk into church and pretend. And that is why statistically many of you guys are struggling with so many things from depression to anxiety to pornography to everything. And we all come in these church walls and we cover it up and we smile to each other like it's all good. But God never meant for it to be just that. For you to be silently suffering your entire life, God meant to begin to change your mind so that you can change your life. To repent means to change your mind, and to be born again means to change your behaviors based on the changing of your mind. You can't do one without the other. Statistically, and I don't know why I have this in my heart today. I've been mentioning it a lot. just... Have it in my heart. Statistically, 79% of people, not men, are hooked on pornography in the church. If that's you today, I don't judge you and I'm not gonna make you raise your hand. Don't worry, some of you guys are like, no, 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 no. (laughs) But you know why? Because everybody just says, I'll stop tomorrow. And nobody says, I need to recover. And nobody says, I need to change my mind. And nobody says, I need God to show me what that pornography is really doing to me. I need to see it for real. I mentioned in the first service that last year, and I'm very proud of this, I lost almost 70 pounds. And I don't say this to judge anybody, that was my journey. But you wanna know when it started? A lot of people ask me like, what'd you do, what'd you do, what'd you do? The first step was to stop telling myself that it was okay. The first step was not a nice step. The first step is a step that not a lot of us like to do because it required looking at myself in the mirror and saying, you know what? Body positivity and all of that, but I'm not healthy. Because for months and for years, I was like, no, but no, but no, no, no. And when I looked at myself in the mirror and I saw what was really there, I started to make changes. The Word of God says that the Word of God is a mirror And because we're not going to the Word of God, and because we're not having a relationship with the Son of God, we don't see what's really there. And that's why there are no changes in our lives. Because we're not seeing what's really there. And I shared this also, that so after I saw what was really there, my next step was I started, I don't know why, like I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit that moved me to do this. But, and there was a lot of things that I did to lose weight, but like one of the things that like really scarred me and traumatized me, was well, I started getting these videos on TikToks, so like you know, I started looking up like, okay, ways to be healthier, ways to, and I started getting these videos on TikTok that would tell you how much sugar is in your drinks. Have you guys ever seen those videos? Don't watch it if you wanna enjoy Starbucks ever again. If you wanna drink a pumpkin spice latte again in your life, don't watch it, just don't do it. Because I started seeing these videos and I started getting disgusted at the things I ate. Now, this is not like a fitness, like, (laughs) talk. It's just an example of how when you change your mind about what's happening, then you can start changing what's happening. You don't need to wake up tomorrow and be perfect. You need to wake up tomorrow and have your mind changed, even if it's just a little bit. And that little bit over a period of time is going to change your life. Stop conforming. The Bible says, don't conform to this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Transformation comes from true repentance. And true repentance is not just feeling bad and being sorry. Who among us doesn't feel bad when they sin? We all feel bad. We all feel sorry. We all feel shame. But sorry and bad and shame don't change anything. You know what changes things? Relationship. Relationship. Knowing light Colossians 1:13 to 14 says he delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his son in whom we have redemption and freedom from sin Freedom from sin comes from transformation of your mind and transformation of your mind comes from relationship with Jesus Nothing else will do it Nothing else works I've lived religion. It does not work. I don't tell you this so you can deconstruct, I don't tell you this so you can leave here and never come back, I don't tell you, I tell you this because it's not enough. Like I said before, church is meant to be a catalyst for something you're gonna live throughout the week. That way next week when you come back from church, you're thirsty and you're hungry for the word of God. You shouldn't be coming in here empty, desperate for a drink. You should be coming in here fueled by your daily relationship with God. He doesn't want to have a relationship with you through Pastor Matt. He wants to have a relationship with you and Pastor Matt. You are worth relationship. It is possible to know God. We serve a personal God who wants you to do well and live abundant life. The word of God says in the book of John, it says, beloved, I desire for you to have life and life in abundance. He doesn't just wanna give you eternal life. He doesn't just want you to go to heaven. He wants you to be happy now. He wants you to be whole now. Everything's not gonna be perfect in your life. My life is not perfect. I'm struggling. I've got things I've got to get over, but I'm not doing it alone. I'm not empty. I'm not lonely. How sad must it be for God that he sent his son to die on a cross so that he can have personal relationship with us, yet every time we go through hard things, the first thing we say is, God, we're so alone. God, I'm so alone. And God's looking at you like, I'd like you to not be. I'd like you to go deeper. There is so much more. And let me tell you something, you will never be satisfied with a superficial relationship with Christ. If you keep a superficial relationship with God, I guarantee you, you won't be here within a time. You might last a year, you might last three years, you might last ten years. I've been a pastor's kid my entire life. I've seen people come and go. I know Pastor Matt knows what I'm talking about. I know Pastor Alyssa knows what I'm talking about. I've seen people have radical transformations in their life and three years later be right back where they started because they grew wide but they didn't grow deep. They let church be all over them but never in them. Dare to be deeper the Word of God says in Psalms deep calls to deep you know why you want to be deep because God is deep and he wants to have a deep and profound relationship with you and you know why you feel sometimes like you have no purpose because you're not living in the depth of Of because you perceive, you know that there's so much more that could be happening in life and that you're only at the top of the iceberg and it bothers you and it should bother you and I'm glad it bothers you because crisis is opportunity. I want you to close your eyes right there where you are. I don't know what your crisis is. Maybe it's a crisis in your faith. Maybe it's a crisis in your identity. Maybe it's a crisis in your finances. Maybe it's a crisis in your marriage. Maybe it's a crisis in your sexuality. Maybe it's a crisis in your depression, and your anxiety. Maybe you've gone through something difficult. You've lost a loved one. Every one of us is struggling with something. But deep is calling to deep. God is saying in the midst of this crisis, I don't want you to just know about me. I don't want you to just know who other people say I am. I want you to meet me. And if you're willing to meet me, I will meet you where you are. Coming here is not about being perfect, it's not about being good enough, it's about being willing to be in relationship. And I'm not telling you that you do this and next week all of your sin will go away, no, it's not the point. The point is walking it every day, walking it out. Lord, as we end this message, I pray that you would ignite a passion, a conviction, a desire for more of you. God, as I said before, this is not something that can end here today. This is not something that can be completed here today. I only ask that you start something here today. I only ask that you light the match, Holy Spirit, and that throughout this week, I pray that people who have never gone to the scriptures would go to the scripture. I pray for people who have gone years without trying to have a conversation with you, open themselves up to prayer. I pray that we would begin to dig deep. And you know what, guys? Sometimes it takes a week, and sometimes it takes two weeks, and sometimes it takes some work, but there is a well of water underneath the earth. And God is saying, if you dig deep, you'll find it. Lord, this is abundant life. That we would know you and that we would know your son i pray that we begin to know you today lord jesus let religion not be enough let church not be enough let once a week not be enough we want more we want freedom i just feel in my heart that there's areas of your life that god wants to give you freedom in that you haven't even dared to ask you stopped believing or maybe you never believed You just think that it's part of your life. It's part of your process. And God is saying, no, I want to set you free. I want you to overcome. I want you to be more than a conqueror. I want you to be victorious. I created you for abundant life. But you cannot do it alone. You need me. And I want you. So let's do it together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.